0: Welcome to Attorney Heart, the podcast focused on bringing awareness to and promoting attorney well-being. Join Attorney Heart as you embark on a journey to improve the quality of your professional and personal life. And now, here's your host, Fernando Flores. Looking up, there's always sky. Rest your head, I'll take you high. We won't fade in all right welcome everyone to another episode of attorney heart i'm really excited to bring our next guest as i am with all of our guests but in particular uh deborah fujiwara is actually going to be one of our speakers at the i matter now conference on august 18 2018 and i wanted to bring her on because uh she is from uh she's the owner of fujiwara law and mediation um and I wanted to bring her on so that you can get to know her a little bit more. You can get to know what she does, how she helps uh, her clients, and also so that we can uh, get a sense of what to what to expect from uh, Deborah. I know, Deborah. you know, we won't give it all away because we gotta, <laughs> you know, save some for the conference, but I, I'm really excited about having you on. I really enjoyed our preliminary conversation and uh, getting to know what you do. And, and uh is actually going to be heading, our, she's going to be closing off the conference with our uh, Building Legacy presentation and workshop. So I'm really excited about that. So just very uh, generally, Deborah, let's get started with, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do.
1: Okay. Well, first, Fernando, thanks so much for uh, having me on your podcast today. I'm really excited to be speaking at the I Matter Now conference. Um, the lineup looks awesome and I'm, I, I'm honored to be part of it. Um, awesome. So what I do is I'm an estate planning attorney. I am a sole practitioner. I run my own practice, Fujiwara Law and Mediation. Um, I focus primarily on estate planning, but I also do interpersonal mediation um, generally in a family context or an estate context, interpersonal mediation. Um, and the the focus of my estate planning practice is really on more than just the numbers, trying to help clients uh, leave a legacy to their heirs, not just the money, um, really focus on during the lifetime making sure that the clients feel really well cared for if something happens. Um, I go, go through um, kind of really comprehensive living wills um, that go far beyond the California statutory advance directives. Um, just really flesh out what a client would actually want to happen um, for them if they're in a rough situation um, and can't make their own decisions. Um, really work on comprehensive kids' protection planning, um, which goes beyond your normal long-term guardian nominations. Uh, we focus on short-term nominations, um, instructions to guardians, so that people would actually know what you want done with your kids um, if guardianship should need to come into play. Um, and then the big thing is also getting clients to take stock of their, um, assets, not just the monetary ones, but the intangible assets, the stories, wisdom, values, um, the things that they would really want to pass on to their kids Mm. and have them not get lost from one generation to the next.
0: Oh, I see. I very, sounds like a very, uh, holistic, uh, way of, uh, of uh, going through estate planning, so that's that's really awesome. You know, one question, Deborah, that I that I that I have is: is there a particular time? when folks should be thinking about estate planning, you know, in their lives, is that, you know, is there a certain age? I, you know, what I remember from, from estate planning is, you know, what I learned in trust wills and estates back when I was in law mm-hmm. school. And then I went into a different area of law, right? So I've never really, uh, uh, you know, assisted clients with that area. And, uh, you know, if you can speak a little bit on that.
1: Absolutely. So I think there's a big misconception where a lot of people think estate planning is for the elderly or for people with a lot of money. Um, So young people tend to not uh, do anything in terms of planning because they go, oh, I'm not married. I don't own property. I don't have kids. Mm -hmm. So I don't need an estate plan.
0: Which is something that I actually hear a lot.
1: Yes. Uh I hear a
0: lot of actually. So that's true. Yeah.
1: Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really common misperception. Um, but it it is a misperception. I mean, you can be 20 years old, um, you know, n- not have a spouse, a house, kids, or, or any assets to speak of, and unfortunately, things happen. You can get in a car accident um, and be incapacitated, and if you don't have a plan in place, Maybe no one knows how you want to be cared for. Um, maybe no one has access to your finances that can't pay your bills for you. Um, you know, and by the time you get back up on your feet two or three months later, you're behind on all of your payments. Um, but and it can be a really rough situation that can be easily avoided, um, but just a little planning.
0: Mm, okay, thanks for that, Deborah. I appreciate it. I mean. Um, I, like I mentioned, it's definitely something, you know, that I do hear from other, um, you know, attorneys who are not necessarily elderly and, uh, they're like, that's something I can think about later, but it's definitely a good point, a good reminder, you know, to, to, to think about that early on. And, and it's more than like you mentioned, just the numbers and the money it's Mm -hmm. planning, it's preparation, it's, it's, uh, um, making sure that you think ahead, you know?
1: Oh, I, right. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think a lot of people view estate planning as something that only comes into play uh, when you die. And that's not necessarily true. You actually do need some planning in place um, for, during your lifetime. Let me ask you, so estate planning uh, is one of the goals, would you say, to
0: try to uh, move away from having to go through the probate uh, process mm-hmm. and if so can you give uh, our listeners a little bit of an explanation of what that probate process entails you know z- you know so that they have a, a, a foundation to work off of
1: mm-hmm. absolutely okay so first off probate sucks you, you really want to avoid it if at all possible um, it's a fairly drawn-out process in California it takes about 12 to 18 months um, and Basically, it's uh, the court process that comes into play if you do not have a trust um, that handles division of your assets. Um, And in probate, unfortunately, the purpose of probate is to open your estate up to all of your creditors. Um, There's a long window, say about 12 to 18 months, um, where your creditors are able to come forward and file claims against your estate. Um, And for some people that may be an issue, for others it may not. Mm -hmm. Um, But during this time, your beneficiaries don't have access to the money. And the charges associated with probate are really high. Um, You're paying for the court time and you're paying for uh, like a a clerk through the probate court to um, go through the accounting of your estate. Um, that's often like $150 an hour um, that's coming coming out of your estate. And it's a long-term process where these accountings are being done uh, regularly and your estate is paying for it.
0: And so to, uh, to clarify that, so it, it, what you mean it being paid out of your estate, that means that who, whoever your heirs are determined to be, uh, at the end of the day, Uh, Whatever monies are left after the creditors are paid off, this estate will also have to pay for all of the Mm -hmm. processing of the estate from those monies that remain, and then and then that's what your heirs Mm -hmm. will end up receiving. Okay, wow.
1: Yes, so that can absolutely be avoided with a revocable living trust. and by the term re- revocable, it's, um, you know, dur- during your lifetime, you are the grantor, the settler, the beneficiary, you can make any changes, you can do whatever you want, you have full control over it. Um, but then on, on your death, there would be a successor trustee, um, often a, a spouse or um, a trusted family member, or um, for the elderly, it often becomes the their children Um, but this successor trustee is generally the one that handles settling the estate paying the creditors they're the ones that ultimately work with like a cpa and get all the distributions to your beneficiaries Um, but the estate is not being um, whittled down in this process Um, and, and it's also private uh, your your assets transfer privately, the details of your estate aren't public because they're not being filed in the probate court, uh, which, which is great um, in terms of protecting beneficiaries when there are sizable assets being passed on.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. So if you have a revocable living trust, is that right? Yes. Okay. So if you have a revocable living trust, you don't end up getting like a case number or anything like that, that, that becomes a publicly filed or anything?
1: Not if you don't have any assets that need to pass through probate.
0: Wow.
1: I didn't know that. Yeah, it's all kind of private, confidential, um, keeps the details of your estate from being publicly filed. You know, and, and that's
0: um, that's definitely one less uh, challenge or, or uh, you know, uh, difficult circumstance that you have to deal with if you're also dealing with grief if, of somebody who may have passed and and now you're you're working with a cPA, you know and and having to take on uh, other aspects it's it sounds like a a much more uh, uh, direct process
1: mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah, and uh, on the privacy aspect, uh, that can actually be really helpful. there are unfortunately, People who are kind of predators and pay attention to probate filings and will often try and introduce awesome investment opportunities to um, young beneficiaries who have just come into a lot of money.
0: Really? I didn't know about that.
1: Oh, yeah. It it can be a sleazy world out there. So if there's anything at all you can do to keep your financial details private, by all means do it.
0: I mean, I think just that is, is enough, especially in, in, in this highly digital world with, where all our information is already out there and subject to mm-hmm. uh, being, you know, stolen. Um, if you can add that layer of protection, you know, for yourself and, and your, your heirs and your family, you know, um, why not? Right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I had I had a question related to particular assets one of the main uh I was reading the other day about how um uh, educational loans particularly for attorneys and also you know medical students graduate students have just skyrocketed exactly. so i mean Oh, they're huge. They're just huge, you know, like tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars just to go to law school for one year. And I, 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 did, I did an episode earlier on this year on just how much like things have gone up. Um, is there a difference in terms of how that is ultimately resolved? Uh, whether you go through probate or you have a revocable living trust, or is it going to be the same? They're going to be treated no. as creditors, and it's going to come out of the estate.
1: Yeah, it'll still come out of the estate. Sadly, mm-hmm. I mean, trust me, I, I came out with six-figure loans myself. <laughs> if there were a way to uh, dodge that, that would be fantastic. <laughs> but there, there isn't. Um, that'll get handled when the estate is settled, either way. Got it. Um, what, um, let's, let's take,
0: you know, one tip that you would mention related to, uh, uh, protecting, uh, I know you already mentioned, you know, creating an irrevocable living trust. Uh, What's another tip that folks can take to, you know, protect their assets right now and, and plan ahead uh, a little bit, a little
1: bit more. Well, in terms of um, protecting assets now, that's uh, it's really the 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 go to way to do it. Um, there is another layer of protection you can offer beneficiaries. Um, it do, it doesn't help the grantor during their lifetime, but you can very easily set up an irrevocable uh, living trust as a lifetime asset protection trust for your beneficiaries, so that. Um, the money that you pass on is protected against lawsuits, divorce, creditors. Um, that, that can be a really neat feature that, uh, isn't, isn't, um, I mean, I, I incorporate it into my practice, um, fairly often, but it, it isn't necessarily the norm, but you can pass assets, uh, onto your beneficiaries in such a way where they are, um, uh, like lifetime beneficiaries of the trust, but they never take the assets outright. So Mm -hmm. that keeps them, uh, keeps those assets protected. Oh, I see. Creditors, lawsuits. um, You know, it can be handy if you have a beneficiary, like a child that goes on to work in a high-risk profession, maybe they become a doctor, um, maybe an attorney, In anyone who might be subject to malpractice. It, it can be handy. Uh, you can shield assets from lawsuits that way. You can say not for, not from, uh, not to benefit the grantor. Uh, that's completely that's, different and not done in California. But you can add asset protection for your beneficiaries.
0: Okay. Okay. I see.
1: And um, do,
0: have you dealt with the situation? Because I know uh, a lot of listeners are. Also, owners of their own law firms or mm-hmm. partners in a law firm. Uh, have you dealt with a situation where um, you know a certain or or business owners, right? Where a business owner uh, passes on the assets of the business to their heirs? How does how does that work? Can you talk a little bit about that,
1: Deborah? Sure. Well, so that really depends on the type of business. Um you know if you own a law firm and that's a little bit different than a family business that's um you know maybe a automotive repair shop um that right. could easily be passed, but obviously you can't pass on a law firm um un- unless your beneficiary happens to be an attorney as well right right um but other family businesses uh, are fairly easy to pass on um a big consideration is to consider whether you're whether you have a beneficiary that wants to carry on this business, and if so, that the key is really planning and communication up front. You want to bring this beneficiary on board um, dur- during your lifetime. Make sure that they're um, you know familiar with how to run your business. If you just pass on a family business to someone who is not been educated at all in how your business works, what your philosophies are, what your processes look like, even if you're passing on a really successful business, that can be a recipe for failure um, for your beneficiaries.
0: Uh, such a good point, Deborah. Um, and it makes sense, right? You, you don't want to uh, pass on a business to someone that's going to see it not as a benefit, but as a burden, it sounds like, you know?
1: Yeah, it can be. I think a lot of times people want to do right by their parents. You know, if mom and pa spent their lifetime building a business together and it's thriving and it's successful and it has a place in the community. um, And you pass that to kids who have not been brought on board early on. It it, it can be really hard for them to carry on the vision um, and to run the business in the same way that it was run. I mean, not to say that things always have to stay the same. There are always areas for improvement. Um but it it can be a real challenge for beneficiaries if they're not totally educated in all of the systems and visions and goals. And so what happens in that situation
0: where you know maybe the beneficiary says, I don't want this to pass on to me. I can't, I, I just I didn't learn the ins and outs of how this business runs. I'm trying to be also uh uh savvy about what i want to do next and me taking this on just means moving in a very different direction what happens in that situation mm-hmm. Deborah? um then it,
1: there there are options beneficiaries can figure out whether they still want to own the business but as um you know passive owners and bring on new management and um keep the keep the business running under their family name or uh, whether they'd like to explore selling the business to someone else and just getting the, you know, the proceeds and walking away. Or if that's not feasible or desirable, perhaps they want to explore winding down the business. Um, but it's, it's generally best in terms of uh, best practice um, in terms of family businesses, if you can start that dialogue um, a little bit ahead of time. Uh, You know, don't wait until mom and dad have died (laughs) or, you know, the grantors don't wait until uh, death and just never have these discussions and pass a business on to beneficiaries with no idea what they want to do, be it keep it, uh, hire management, sell it, wind it down. Um, It's kind of, it's really helpful if you can have that process, at least on, on the table. And so that we can learn a little bit more about, you know,
0: the services that that you provide, right? Um, I I wanted to ask you, what is the the mediation component uh, of the services that you provide? What does that exactly get into? Um, Um,
1: Okay, so I can handle, well, I I do mediation. It involves really meeting people wherever they are in the process, Sometimes it's simply, um, you know, people are really close to an agreement and they just need an attorney to, you know, run through things with them, make sure all their bases are covered and draft an agreement. And, you know, in that case, it's a really simple, short process. Other times people are mostly in agreement, but just have a couple sticking points that they could use. Some neutral facilitation on um, to help them bridge any um, gaps in their agreements. Um, and on on the far side, sometimes people are just—it's completely adversarial, and they don't agree on a single thing, um, other than the fact that they're trying to avoid going to court and are are actually in agreement with um, wanting to sit down with a mediator and um, flush through things and see if their situation can be resolved outside of court. Um, a huge perk of mediation is that the parties actually control their outcome entirely versus filing a lawsuit and you're know, you can, you're then subject to a, a jury or a judge or someone, someone else deciding for you what's going to happen. Um, in mediation, you can craft whatever you want, whatever seems fair to the parties. And so I think that's really attractive and mediation is also private. So it keeps the details of your dispute, um, outside of court records. No one knows anything,
0: Mm.
1: which is particularly handy. I do interpersonal mediation. So that's typically family and business disputes. Um, and people often don't want that aired publicly. Right. I mean, it sounds like the,
0: it, it's similar to what you mentioned earlier, avoiding the probate process. It just kind of keeps that confidentiality of very sensitive information, right? Mm-hmm. In a process that um, the parties seem to have more control over also, you know? Oh, absolutely. I think absolutely. That's-, that's a commonality
1: between the state planning and mediation. Yeah. Really. In, in both cases, um, it, it allows people who are willing to work through that to retain full control over their matters. Right. Um, And also a key goal in mediation that's really helpful in interpersonal disputes is, um, you know, a focus on maintaining the relationship at the end. Often these are business partners, they're family members, they're, um, you know, they're, they're people that are going to have to keep dealing with each other for life. Um, And and once litigation comes into play, relationships are often soured. Um, But a key component of mediation is really working on, um, you know, durable agreements that feel fair to both parties and ideally have them walk out of the process with their relationships still intact.
0: And to put a real world scenario into the, I mean, um, the mix, just like hypothetical, right? Um, mm-hmm. Not a real world scenario. Hypothetical. It, it, do these mediations tend to be between like one family member and another family, like a sibling and a sibling trying to resolve a dispute mm-hmm. of, of what their parents left behind?
1: Yes. Uh-huh. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's very common. Okay.
0: Um, and
1: it, it can also be helpful in estate planning to do sort of mediation um, been involving the grantor during their lifetime um, to kind of avoid sticky situations post-death. It sometimes comes into play in blended families where you have a second spouse and children from a first marriage, Mm. and um, people don't really want to see their second spouse and kids fighting over money because they weren't sure where the money was going. Um, Right. I was going to say mediation also comes into play in another kind of fun context um, involving estate planning where significant, um, where there's significant wealth transfer involved. Um, Clients with huge estates, you know, millions of dollars and a concern that if they leave the money to their children, the children won't know how to manage it properly and will squander it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in situations like that, it can be really helpful if parents are a little like, "Right, I don't really know what to do with this estate. It's pretty big. And I'm thinking of leaving it to charity. Cause if I leave it to my kid, they're going to buy a Maserati with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I see. Okay. So um, you can
1: do some really fun intergenerational work in that mm-hmm. context as well.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, one question that I had for you, you know, for purposes of the conference, um, and and you can just answer this generally. Uh, you know, you don't have to get into a lot of details just yet, but just to start giving folks a sense, um, you know, can they potentially expect uh, to 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 learn how to plan uh, for their estate planning? Um, you know, in the plan at the conference, is that something that you, you'll 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 likely be talking about, Deborah?
1: Yeah, well, and you and I can discuss this ahead of time to make sure um, that we get all the content in the conference that you would like to see in the conference. Um, with but with respect to the building a legacy piece, something I'd really like to go over with people is how to capture your intangible assets. Imagine people attending a conference like I Matter now are really working at doing some pretty awesome stuff. Um, achieving things, um, making their lives better. And, um, you know, it's great to be able to pass on this awesomeness to kids. Um, Don't have this energy or achievement lost. Um, There are ways to capture those stories and experiences and, um, you know, what you're working hard for, um, what what you're achieving, what your vision is, the values you want uh, you'd ideally like your children to Absorb from you, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there can be really fun ways to capture those things and pass them to your kids uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just because uh, at the end of the day, what's what really uh, tends to make beneficiaries feel the greatest connection when they receive an inheritance isn't the money. It's usually the like the family memories, the photos, the, um, you know, any letters that are left. Th- things like that, things with a personal message to them.
0: It, I love that, Deborah. And you know, just thinking uh, on a uh, on a question that came up for me based on something that you mentioned earlier. Okay, for some of our our listeners and and uh, and uh, prospective attendees to the conference, if they, for example, like you mentioned, they're not they don't have kids or they're not married, you know. Who, who do they end up putting as a beneficiary in the process of estate planning in those situations?
1: Um, they definitely have plenty of options. Um, and it, it really depends on the, the person, their passions and interests. Um, sometimes people will be really passionate about a cause and, um, you know, maybe not even have anything more in the way of assets than the, you know, the life insurance policy that their employer provides them. I mean, something like that is very common with really young, uh, really young people. Um, and they can feel great leaving their life insurance policy to, um, you know, their favorite charity. Leave wow. it to a cause, uh, leave it to a foundation they believe in. Um, but I mean, don't let it get lost. Um, Sometimes people leave it to parents that maybe don't even need the money, um, but they might feel better during their lifetime if they're leaving the money to someone who does need it or to a cause, an organization. Um, you know, there are, there are a lot of options. And
0: that's awesome but, that you're bringing that up, Deborah. because honestly, I didn't, I didn't even know. I didn't, I didn't even think about that, you know, and um, – For 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 folks who also maybe have not thought about that, you know, like um, these are definitely good options to think about. And if you if you do have some assets um, and you know you're not married, you're not elderly, you don't have kids yet, uh, and you want your legacy to to pass on, Mm -hmm. um, you just you never know. Life is unpredictable, life, life is uncertain. And if you can at least create some certainty in what will happen to the assets that you do have now, mm-hmm. I, I love that, Deborah. I awesome. Love
1: that. Yeah. I mean, everyone can absolutely feel like they're making a difference um, no matter where they are at light, in life, no matter what their assets look like, no matter what age they are.
0: Yeah. Love it. Love it. So I'm, I'm really excited about you bringing, you know, this information and uh, that, you know, we, we typically, uh, uh you know, don't necessarily uh uh have or, or discuss as as often and openly, you know, because it's something that seems like, oh, this is just private. This is something that I'll take care of when I get, you know, older or close to my deathbed. That's when I'll think about it. And um the more that you could plan and prepare, you know, to build and leave your legacy, I think, uh mm-hmm. better off you'll be. And I just I just love all the tips and all the different uh, suggestions that you're making. I look forward to to having you uh teach us a lot more.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, it's an area, it's a, it's a practice area that I feel really good about because when people have a solid plan in place that they feel good about, um, I mean that, that's great. It makes people feel good, secure, um, like they know what's going to happen. There's some certainty and they feel good about the outcomes that they've planned for.
0: Yeah. Awesome, Deborah. Well, um, if folks wanted to connect with you, if folks wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way to, to contact you just so that we can put that information? And then also, uh, any, any last words, any last uh, you know, information that you want to leave our, our listeners uh, with before the conference?
1: Uh, let's see. Well, the easiest way, probably the easiest way to reach me is um, email so that I don't leave a phone number here that people are scrambling to write now. <laughs> yeah. uh, Email uh deb at debfujiwara law.com and okay. Fujiwara is spelled F U J I W A R A. Fuji like the apple then wara. Um, and I guess just the last thing I'd like to leave everyone with is I'm really excited to connect with everyone. Um, I think we'll have a lot of fun. Um, I think estate planning isn't what everyone thinks it is. It's not for the old or the dying. Um, do it now and have fun with it, um, and there are so many options, and it's it's really not just about the money.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it, Deborah: Well, I just uh I want to thank you for leaving us with that last message, and uh, thank you for sharing just some of what you do and some of what you're going to be uh, talking about in more detail at the conference, and
1: I want to thank you for your
0: time. I know I know yeah, you're thank pretty-
1: you It's <laughs> great talking to you. I'm excited about this.
0: Definitely, Debra. Same here. So I will connect uh, with you soon and uh, we'll, we'll uh, touch base before the conference. And uh, thank you everyone for listening in. I look forward to uh, seeing you at the I Matter Now conference and also so that you can meet uh, Deborah uh, in person. All right. Thanks, everyone. Take care, Deborah. Thanks. You too.
1: Take care. Bye. Bye.
0: Hi, everyone. Fernando here again to thank you for listening in to another Attorney Heart episode. If you like this episode, please make sure to give it a thumbs up. And if it can benefit anyone that you know, please share it. Attorney Heart is brought to you by iMatterNow. I-M-A-T-E-R-N-O-W. Please make sure to check our website at imatternow.com. Again, I-M-A-T-E-R-N-O-W.com. And join iMatterNow's Facebook page. Follow us for future events and additional resources. Every day presents an opportunity to engage in self-care. And remember that it is not selfish to take care of your well-being. It is necessary. So take care and connect with you on the next Attorney Heart episode.